the Ghost Goal Podcast. The European football calendar for 2021-2022 came to a close over the weekend as Real Madrid claimed their 14th Champions League title over Liverpool in Paris on Saturday and Nottingham Forest claimed the final place in next season's Premier League with a 1-0 win over Huddersfield in the Championship playoff final on Sunday. There's also plenty of movement going on already in the transfer window as Aston Villa, Tottenham, Leeds and plenty of clubs around Europe are already making moves in preparation for next season. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 359. Javier, how was your weekend, man? Have a good Memorial Day weekend? Enjoyed the game? Yeah, no, this was, I mean, it was it was a classic, classic final where, you know, there was a team that controlled the ball, played the beautiful football, and Real Madrid... And then had, in Carlo Ancelotti won. <laughs> yeah, Real Madrid had two chances. Both of them, oh, to be honest, I don't, I don't understand how the Benzema one was offside, but... I think they really scored two goals in this game and deserved winners. I mean, it, I was a fool for thinking that Real Madrid had no chance in this game, you know, because they're such a historic club. All these players who were in that final, a lot of them had already played three, four, five finals before and were just completely calm on the ball in situations, you know, super made all the right plays and capitalized on the chances. Kareem Benzema, I mean, he was he was just... This, this he didn't even score in this game, but he was still always ever present and drove the the Liverpool defense mad. And I mean, Vinicius Junior as well. Him, you know, like this season he's been unreal. I think scored 18, 19 goals, something like that, and gets the winner in the final. Was a menace against Chelsea, against Manchester City. I mean, he's. He's going to be a, a world class talent and is a world class talent. Top top five. Pl- I mean, they were they were t- talking about wanting to buy Mbappe and spending all this money. They they have a player that's I think the similar caliber of influence on a game as as someone like Kylian Mbappe. So they they should go and spend money on you know sturdying up their midfield with aging players like you know Modric and Cruz who you know I'm sure they'll p- still play another year or two, but. This has got to be that one of their, you know, swan songs, if you will. Who knows if they'll if they'll keep w- playing in the team and winning Champions League. So, I mean, crazy for them. They got their fifth Champions League now, tying Cristiano Ronaldo, a bunch of this team, Danny Carvajal, Casemiro, Casemiro. Yeah, I mean, all of these players. It, it must be vindicating for them because everyone probably said, "Ah, oh, you guys just won. You had Ronaldo on your team, and now they did it, you know, without Ronaldo." So. It's uh, an impressive, impressive feat for our, for all of these players winning that for a fifth time. Isco as well, actually, crazy enough. Yeah. So I I want to know from you because I know you. I think you said like three one Liverpool in our preview pod last week. I think Angry was a bit more respectful of Real Madrid, um, or at least he, he pushed I mean, back Thibaut when you, you said made that some, Liverpool some beautiful saves in this. Yeah, it was. It should yeah, have yeah. been Liber- like two one three was one was not man a crazy match. score. He, he had, I can think of three saves off the top of my head that, you know, were like as as good as any goal. The save onto the post for Mane in the first half, the save from the uh, Mohamed Salah curler when uh, I think Mendy and Militao just, or sorry, Mendy and uh, Alaba just allowed him to cut into his left and, and 
curl it to the far post and Courtois punched it away. And then another save from Salah when Mendy was 1v or Salah was 1v1 with Ferland Mendy lasered it with his right instead towards the far post and Courtois was able to deflect it and like those three saves like I, I think when the Mane one happened which was the first in that sequence that was in the first half and that was when I was thinking oh Real or I, like I'm feeling good about my Real pick here um at what point in that game were you thinking oh yeah the Liverpool are in trouble here because I know Liverpool had like 24 shots to Real's like eight or something or four, something might have been even lower, but uh, like apart from like a couple, a couple of great saves, I was watching that thinking like this is going exactly to plan as as if you're a Real Madrid supporter. Like it's I, I, I a mean tight as game. soon as Real Madrid scored that first goal that was ruled off for VAR, which I thought was bullshit. Right, I thought they were in trouble. Time. Like and then after that, even after it, the goal got ruled out, Liverpool looked nervy till the till halftime. And then, even though it was nil nil at halftime, you could tell the the Madrid players were like, ah, oh, you know, they were if they had played 10, 15 more minutes, they probably would have gotten a goal, um, which ended up happening. You know, in the fifty ninth minute, fifteen minutes after half, you know, halftime had started, they they go and get the goal and then defend their asses off for thirty minutes and time waste and fake injuries and do all that shit that Real Madrid are gods at. So it, it was impressive to watch. You know, play, having seeing players that thirty five years old, Luka Modric. Tony Cruz, 34, you know, players like that still being able to to boss it in the Champions League final and under pressure against the team with the, you know, one of the best high presses in the world. They can still play so coolly on the ball. Casemiro as well. I mean, they were just, the, their whole, the whole midfield was class. I mean, they had Kamavinga who in, in that last game against Manchester City looked so good. Did, still didn't start him in this final in Chelsea. And Chalati is just just what it, we haven't talked about him, but I mean he he got the lineup spot on in this, you know, got made the rip changes at the right time. Everything it was it was flawless from him and good on him for I being able Carlo, to, to. I love Carlo. Yeah, good on him for being able to you know extend his career much longer. People were saying you know he was done going to Everton and stuff. Honestly, Everton was a big project. Like they spent a shitload of money. They they tried a lot. It didn't work out, but jump ship to Real Madrid and now look, you know, you can't help but be happy for him. So, King Carlo, fifth Champions he League. He won his for first Yeah, he won his first Champions League back in 2003 with AC Milan. And 19 years later, here he is again back at Real Madrid. I, I mean, I don't know. Like they, they certainly could. I won't rule them out of going and winning it again next year. But if you think of this current crop of Real Madrid players, their their European success in the current like formation of Real Madrid was started under Ancelotti, winning La Decima back in 2014 or whatever it was. The the final where they uh, were losing to Atletico Madrid. Ramos grabbed an equalizer right at the end, and then they went on to pipe them like 4-1 in extra time or something. It had been like 15 years since Real had, or, or 14 years since Real had won their uh, ninth Champions League, and Art Carlo was brought in to do what Mourinho couldn't. He, he pulled it off, winning the Champions League with that team when Ronaldo and Bale was still starting, and obviously Ancelotti goes and leaves, and Zidane comes in and won, wins a couple more, but if you think about like the current iteration of uh, this Real Madrid team that's won these five Champions League leagues, even though Carlo's been involved for two of them, 
you can make an argument that you know he, a lot of the the credit needs to go to him even during the Zidane years of of winning those because Zidane wasn't didn't, didn't didn't do some sort of like tactical shift uh, to change Real Madrid. He just you know sort of worked with what Carlo had already established. So. I, I don't think Carlo Ancelotti gets enough gets enough love, and you know, there's been all those years of Pep versus Marine, uh, Mourinho, and now Pep versus Klopp is like the best managers, and Carlo never gets talked about, and he's he's been all over the all over Europe. He's the only manager to win the league title in uh, what is it all like all five of the the top five leagues, you know, Serie A with AC Milan, the Premier League with Chelsea. Ligon with uh, PSG in the season and a half that he was there. Uh, the Bundesliga title with Bayern Munich and this year with Real Madrid. So put some respect on Carlo Ancelotti's name. And I- I'm just going to mention one more thing before we shift over to Liverpool for a bit. Thibaut Courtois stepped up in this game, the biggest game of his career. I honestly can't think of a better performance in a bigger game that Courtois has had. He's certainly been one of the best goalkeepers in the world for about the last 10 years. But this was the night that like like puts him into the sort of superstar caliber of goalkeeper. A game where, you know, it's only it's only a 1-0. I already mentioned all the chances, the big chances for Liverpool that, that he put a stop to. I, I still don't like how he left Chelsea a few years ago. He'll always be a snake to me, but you have to give respect when uh, when necessary. And Thibaut Courtois certainly stepped up and, and earned his respect. I think he said that right after the, the final whistle when they were inter- interviewing him, that he needed that win for his career. Because otherwise, like looking back on the last nine or ten years or whatever, he's been playing professionally. Uh, he's won league titles, but there aren't many like big uh, like cup finals that he's... You know, stamped his name on and, and been a man of the match like caliber uh, or had a man of the match ca- caliber performance in. So credit to him. I just I don't want to be like this bitter Chelsea fan. That he, uh, he he deserves yeah, his. Praise. He was unreal in this final, man of the match in the final, and you know should be a force to be reckoned with in in the World Cup coming up. You know, going to be one of the best goalkeepers in the world, one to watch. But yeah, like you said, we should we should talk about Liverpool in this too because. I don't, I don't think they played badly in this. I think they executed their game plan decently. I think Trent was kind of locked I uh, kind of invisible in this game actually. I mean, he just he didn't I know he was trying to help with Vinicius Jr and it was Valverde on that side, wasn't it? Yeah. I I I thought he would have more of an influence no, no. on this game. Wasn't it Valverde on the uh on Real's right wing? Yeah, so Valverde was was uh, on the right wing. He played that ball from the right wing to the back post to uh, Vinicius to to finish. Right. And I, w- I was just rewatching that goal, and it's actually uh, it's, okay. There's definitely some fault to put on Trent there because he's just not tracking Vinicius, and he's way too central. But uh, as Valverde is going down that right wing. Van Dijk has to go out to meet him because Robertson is the one who's caught all the way upfield. So when the overlap eventually comes, that like allows Valverde that like little extra half second to to like blast that ball to the back post. It's it's Robertson that's missing on that strong side defensively to like help like cover and stop the cross. But then Trent gets all the blame because like he has to become or become a lot more narrow. 
when the ball is coming in, and that ball allows Vinicius all the space to, to tap in at the back post. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, it's like kind of partial blame on both like fullbacks there for Liverpool. But I actually disagree that they played well. I know they had the 24 shots. I know they have like some some good chances. I'm going to say mainly most of those came in the second half, but I think Liverpool really needed a good start in this game. And even if they had gotten the good start and scored a couple of goals, Real Madrid, like we know from experience this season, were still going to be a threat to come back. But I didn't think the quality of the chances they were creating in the first half were, was that good. Like it was hardly anything like in behind. I know Real Madrid were set up to, to, to stop that. But you had like a Salah near post tap in about 15 oh, we, minutes in. We haven't in, talked about David Alaba, but he was fucking unreal. He was so good. Yeah. Him and uh, Militao. Him and Militao and uh, Casemiro as well. Um, Casemiro and, and, oh, was excellent. And uh, Andrew called him out. Uh, the, the Carvajal. Carvajal was unbelievable as well. I mean, they just Car- locked down. <laughs> That some of the best attackers in the world. I mean, it was it was such an unbelievable defensive performance from the back line too. We haven't given them their praise yet. Um, and I, 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 I just want to bring I, attention to a to a worrying trend for Liverpool. I know they finished the season with you know two cup wins, but these three finals they've been involved in in the second half of the season, they haven't scored a goal. They they, went, they won twice on penalties against Chelsea and. I mean, I would make the case that in at least the Carabao Cup final, they like Chelsea had the better chances in that game and just couldn't score either. The FA Cup final, it was a bit more even, and they eventually went on penalties again. Then you come down to this, this Champions League final, and you know if they win this, then it's one of the greatest you know cup competition seasons of any team ever. But now that they they've they've lost it, it it just seems like this team is underperformed. Am I, am I being too harsh in saying that? I, I just no, I don't see, see how a team as good still, as Liverpool think, doesn't score a goal in three finals. No, I think this was still a phenomenal season that should yes, they underachieved in in how good this team was, but this is still one of one of the, you know, all-time great teams right now because I think, you know, from what the news we're hearing, Sadio Mane probably going to Bayern Munich this summer. So it would, it's going to be the end of the 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 era of you know, the Salah-Mane duo that's been terrorizing the Premier League. Now it's going to be Diaz and, and Yota and Salah. It's still, still amazing. But no, I think this season was, was like, you know, two cup finals wins. Two, they made it, got second in the Premier League with an extremely high point total that in, you know, I think 85% of the seasons previously they would have been the, the 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 league winner. So probably even it might be even higher than that. You know, I was just checking and almost every season they would have been, you know, title winners with with Yeah, but, but to be to be fair, they didn't shift the the points scoring tally to 3 points until like the early 90s. So, you know. No, I just mean in the Premier League since like a like win a win, a win used to be 2 points. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. But Anyway, the 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 point is they still had an um, um, unreal season. Got to the Champions League final, you know, in terms of like prize money and exposure and all that. Getting to the final is almost as big as you know winning it. Obviously, winning it you get the you get the prize, the the full bonus prize money, but just like 
having your fans, you know, at the stadium, all that stuff. You just get huge exposure, sponsorships, all that stuff. So, you know, amazing season for Liverpool. Unbelievable. I'm sure they have a ton of money that they can go and spend this summer, especially with, you know, Mane probably leaving here. So I feel like the truth is somewhere in the middle. I don't think it's an amazing season for Liverpool. Like, but I, I, I think I might be being a little harsh too. Like, it's, I feel like it's a good season. But ultimately, they they didn't win either of the Champions League or Premier League. And when you're a team that, you know, over the course of these 60 plus games they've played has been as good as Liverpool have to end the season with only an FA Cup and a League Cup, it's kind of bittersweet. Like, I was kind of surprised that they had that that like trophy parade in Liverpool over these two. It must have been scheduled ahead of time and they must have thought they were going to bring the Champions League back too. But yeah, I don't know many teams that have a rooftop parade for two cup wins, unless it's like they've never won a cup I'm before you, or haven't won still, a cup in years. It was years. still a f- f- great season. They did a double, Alex. Come on, you're being you're being a little harsh here. Yeah, no, I, I think that you're being a little too complimentary. <laughs> so, Liverpool like I said, it's somewhere in the middle. Outside of like these last few three or four years with Klopp, Liverpool haven't been exactly racking up the trophies in the in the Premier League era. They haven't been racking up the trophies uh, like up until this season with Klopp. So, you know, that's what that was I'm his saying. first FA so, Cup yeah, and that was his first League of, Cup. So. Exactly. So I would celebrate it pretty big because who knows if they're going to win it again. So there's teams like Tottenham right, well, who me, never uh, won anything. Right. Yeah. Tottenham will shut down North London for multiple days if they ever win a, a League Cup again. <laughs> um, I, I do have to mention that uh, it wasn't all sunshine and roses on Saturday there the match was delayed for about an hour due to let's just say unrest outside of the stadium it's been a confusing couple of days since this happened there was a lot of confusion surrounding it at the time UEFA just sort of defaulted to blaming the Liverpool fans for being you know rowdy and violent but a lot of social media and first-hand accounts have come to light since then and it's looking more like it's going to be on, you know, the the French authorities for their their mishandling of of it. The fans couldn't get into the stadium. Supposedly, a, a two or three gates that were supposed to be just for Liverpool fans were were shut down, and they were all funneled into the, this one gate. And when they all piled up at that that one gate, uh, muggers moved in, and with a lot of the a lot of the sort of jostling for position and and people like trying to get in to the stadium in time to to see the match. The French authorities saw that as a reason to whip out the riot gear and and, and tear gas or mustard gas or whatever. Hate to see it. Really bad look for uh, the French authorities. It's um it's confusing and it's it's not it's not a good look for them, especially considering the the, the Olympics are gonna be in Paris in about two years. So uh assuming Stade de France is going to be like a, a venue for either the opening ceremony or something like that. Like it's, it's not looking great. And uh, yeah. And, and the defaulting by UEFA and by the French authorities to, you know, Liverpool slash English fans were, you know, there to blame. They were rowdy. They were jumping the fence and all that. Like it's, uh, it, it, it's worrying, but the match got underway eventually about an hour after it was supposed to, and yeah, I don't feel bad for Liverpool fans uh, about the you know the on-field uh, events, but certainly for how they, it looks like they were treated terribly, uh, just trying to get into the stadium and 
yeah, hopefully we, we don't see any repeat of that anytime soon in any sporting event. Um, but let's let's move on and just hit on real quick. I don't know if you got a chance to watch this. The championship playoff final at uh, Wembley took place on Sunday. Uh, Nottingham Forest beat Huddersfield 1-0. A goal from uh, Chelsea, an own goal from Chelsea Loney, uh, Levi Colwell in the 43rd minute uh, was what decided it. Uh, Huddersfield, you know, pushed on in the second half. They had two very strong shouts for a penalty that were, were, were not given and uh, they fell just short. So Nottingham Forest will be back in the Premier League for the first time in something like 17 years. Let me check on that. Yeah, they'll be back in the Premier League for the first time since 1999. So over 20 years. So Wow, uh, that's pretty crazy. It's, it's been that long since they've been up. They were, they were a big club in the 70s, 80s, 90s. It's going to be nice to have them back in the A truly historic club. It's going to be the first time that in Premier League era that uh, every single uh, English team that's won the European Cup will be taking or will be competing in the top flight since uh, Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest are all going to be up again uh, next season. So uh, they're, they're, they're an interesting team. This is close to the most interesting possible Premier League 20 teams, I think, in the English league, right? In terms yeah. of size, there's an Burnley was a time like not as big of a team as uh, as Nottingham Forest, for example. Watford was a pretty tiny team. Yeah, I'd probably boot like Bournemouth out of there. I know people like Bournemouth, but like that's a tiny club, you know. Like Sunderland has a much bigger fan base. Yeah, Sunderland than Bournemouth. or I was gonna say yeah, you could put, try to get Sunderland in there. Yeah, there's maybe one or two other you know changes you you might make, but uh, no, I, I see what you mean. It's you know some of the biggest, most historic teams in the in, in the country are going to be involved again next season, and you know with annoyingly Leeds not going down and Leeds still being up there, there's sort of a, a team with of similar stature, like a historic club with a huge following uh, in the north that. Um, plays an entertaining style it's yeah it's going to be interesting Uh, i did just want to mention for nottingham forest that you know similar to i want to say aston villa a couple seasons ago when they came up nottingham forest are a team built mainly uh on the foundation of like strong loan players james garner they have on loan from uh manchester united keenan davis uh on loan from aston villa philip zinkernagel on loan from west brom one more I'm thinking of. Ah, Jed Spence, their right wing back. I don't, I don't know if you remember him. He was the one who played the ball to uh, to whoever it was that scored the winner against you guys uh, back in back in January in the FA Cup. They've got a number of that game really good young else. players. <laughs> right. They've got a number of really good players, but I'm just saying a lot of them are on loan. And the, the one that's not on loan that they actually have uh, you know, still like uh, fully a part of their of their squad is Brendan Johnson, the, the the Welsh striker who's like 21 years old and had a really good breakout season. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see which of those loans they can make permanent, and uh, you know any other players they can look to bring in. I, I was going to credit uh, Steve Cooper, their their manager, who they brought in like uh, earlier this season, back when they were down like in the relegation zone in September. He's turned it around for them. I don't know if you remember him at uh, Swansea 
like uh, the season before when he had like Rian Brewster and Connor Gallagher and Mark Gahey. He was the manager that got Swansea into the championship playoff. And they, I think they lost to Brentford. So he's, uh, and the, the first time I remember hearing his name was when the England's U17 team, maybe it was U17 or U18, uh, that team won the under 18 World Cup. And it was like Phil Foden, Callum Hudson O'Doy, Mark Gahey, uh, Connor Gallagher, uh, a host of players that are now, you know, established Premier League players. He was the, the, the coach that, you know, oversaw that World Cup win. So that was the first of many, uh, like, academy level international successes for England at multiple different levels. And he was he was the manager that uh, that kind of spearheaded that. So it's, it's nice to see him uh, doing well at the actual professional uh, club level now. Um, and he'll, he'll certainly be a interesting addition to the Premier League next season. Um, you want to hit on some transfers? I don't know if you had any thoughts on the championship playoff final. I'm, uh, I'm basically done. No, I didn't really didn't really get to catch the game, but yeah, just excited to have Nottingham Forest there. Yeah, I had it on in the background over the weekend, but uh, I was a little busy getting turnt at the beach, so uh, not my full undivided attention. Um, yeah, we've already had some <laughs> some shocking uh, Premier League transfers go through, mainly the day after the Premier League ended last week, I think it was. I think it was just over a week ago. Uh, Aston Villa announced the shock signing of uh, defensive midfielder slash center back Bubakar Kamara from Marseille. This came out of nowhere for me. I don't know how much they paid for him. I don't know if it's like a free transfer or whatever, but apparently he's on. I think it's a f- free transfer and they're paying him like 200,000 a week, something crazy like that, which is, you know, 10 million a year. I mean, it's not like that much, but for a team that finished 14th in the Premier League to be paying a player 10 mil a year, it's. I mean, 200000 a week is a lot. It's a That's... lot, yeah. And, I mean, they're getting... They got Diego Carlos, the starting center back from Sevilla. It's just impressive. Yeah, he, he's the, good, but, you know, Bubakar Kamara... Bubakar Kamara was... That's a player that I would expect, like, PSG or Bayern Munich or Barcelona to go out and sign. But he's ended up at Aston Villa. Like, I mean, it shows the level of... of uh, you know, commitment that Villa are, you know, putting to to pushing this team forward. We, we've already talked about it plenty of times, you know, bringing in Gerard and signing a player of the profile of Philippe Coutinho. That's like an, that's like a former star in Philippe Coutinho who can like get you goals and win you games. But Bubakar Kamara is like captain material. Like he's the kind of player that will solidify their entire back line, which I, I think Villa fans may have been a bit in denial about like the level of talent they had defensively for the past couple of seasons. I think they kind of overrated players like Mings and Kansa and Courtney House. Like they're good players, but th- those players have never been helping Villa finish in like the top half of the table, like let alone getting into European places. So some tough decisions needed to be made by Villa and they showed the sort of ruthlessness and and uh you know backing to go out and get like a star for the future who could be their captain and and really marshal their defense in, in Kamara. It's hard. It's hard to it's hard to state like how how good of a defensive prospect Kamara is. I, like I know you've probably watched some Marseille with your uh, your players like Saliba on no, loan there. Yeah, he's, and, you he's know, an excellent player. So 
he's an uh, excellent, excellent player, and he and he's been shifted from uh, center back into midfield. So I, I'm not sure whether he'll continue in, in midfield for uh, Villa over someone like Douglas Luiz, but uh, he certainly could if they wanted to. But I think he may be better suited alongside Diego Carlos playing as like two center backs in that in a like that back four that Steven Gerrard likes. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I doubt that's going to be the last we hear from Villa either. Like they, they, they've done plenty of transfer business the last like two or three windows, so we'll likely see more from them. Tottenham went out and uh, got a player for Antonio Conte to keep him happy for the time being. Uh, Ivan Perisic from Inter Milan. I think it was a a free transfer. Uh, his contract ran up or ran out at Inter. Uh, so he'll come to the Premier League. I was seeing a couple of links with him to Chelsea, and that obviously didn't materialize. But uh, I, I can't deny if Perisic had ended up at Chelsea, I would have been very pleased with that as sort of wingback depth. So for Conte to to be reunited with him at uh, Tottenham, I'm, I'm sure Spurs fans will be very pleased with that because um, I, I'm not sure how much Conte loves Sergio Regulon. I think Sessegnon is a little bit, a little bit too young uh, to be playing as much as he ended up playing at the end of this past season in the Conte system. Perisic is like 33. He's been around winning teams uh, for years now. Won the league with Conte at Inter. Won the, the the Champions League with that Bayern Munich team when he was on loan there a couple of seasons ago. That's like a that's a welcome bit of ex- experience in that team. That uh, if he's starting every single week, I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's great. It's probably not the best outcome, but you know, for a bit of rotation uh, and something different, more of an attacking option at wing back against the the low block sides and the the defensive teams that uh, Tottenham will play. I think he, he could be the difference in, in a good few games next season so i think look at that signing with an overall positive light yeah, How about I mean, you? it seems like a great free transfer just just get the window started set the pace right get antonio conte settled and not making crazy statements about needing players so good uh good show of intent from tottenham and from villa we also talked about uh mane going to Bayern. that would be you know kind of crazy if that materializes kind of crazy that would be that would be insane. It would it would open up a bunch of questions about you know where does someone like Serge Gnabry fit in at Bayern Munich after that? Does Mane instead fill the void left by uh, Lewandowski, who looks like he's leaving? Like, you, do do they play Mane as more of a center forward option and continue with like Sane and Coman and Gnabry as the as the winger options? Uh, but I mean, in terms of his impact on leaving Liverpool. I mean, it, it could spell the end of this this amazing run that Liverpool have been on, you know, especially in the in the Premier League. Because I mean, as good as Luis Diaz is and Jota is, do, do you really do you, like how how realistic is it to expect those players to fill that void by Mane? I mean, I, I think Diaz is similar level of skill and strength think so? in the back line pressing. Yeah, I do. I think he's he's almost like a like for like really replacement. Do. And Yota's been carrying the the goal load much more in this last season. He got injured for a little bit and it took away his momentum, but there was a while there that he was, you know, in it for golden boot as well. And I think he ended, you know, third or fourth place, but scored a ton of goals for Liverpool this season. Put put that consistency on his finishing and 
you know, to get 17 or 16 goals already this season. I, I mean, he's if he's given a, a, a starting place where he gets a lot more chances, he could get even more goals. I mean, he was unreal this last season. We haven't talked about Diego yeah, Jota Jota, enough. But. Jota had 15 goals and four assists in the Premier League. Sadio Mane, 16 goals and two assists. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I do. I would still worry about Schutz's injury record if I were a Liverpool fan. It, it seems like even dating back to his Wolves days, he would always miss about like a month or two uh, with, with some some kind of injury. The uh, okay, I'm a big Luis Diaz fan. I think he's a very good player, and he has had a very good second half of the season since signing in January. But I think it might be a bit of a leap to suggest that he can perform at the same level Sadio Mane has shown he can perform for multiple seasons now for Liverpool, like winning big trophies, scoring in big games consistently to that level. I I don't know if Luis Diaz reaches that like right away, but he is only like 24. So maybe in like the second part of his, his twenties, he reaches this, a similar kind of level to Mane, but I don't think it's safe to just assume he'll do that. It's uh, four goals and three assists in the second half of the season. In 13 matches played in the Premier League, 11 of them were starts. You know, it's good. It's good, and it's a good start, especially coming in midseason. But, uh, yeah, we'll see if he can, like, ascend to that same sort of, like, godlike level that Mane has been on. Because Mane, like, next to Salah, I think Salah scores more of the goals and pads the stat sheet a, bit, a little bit more. But in terms of like his overall like effect on games, Mane has been right up there with Salah as well. So um, I do just want to hit on for the American audience. Uh, Leeds made uh, a pretty big signing for them. Uh, they spent something like 25 to 30 million on Brendan Aronson, the former Philadelphia Union attacking midfielder who's been uh, at RB Salzburg for the past season and a half. He's been playing well in the, the Champions League and uh, and obviously in Austria as well uh, to earn this move and uh, is obviously a favorite of Jesse Marsh and a sign that Leeds are willing to back Jesse Marsh and, uh, and give him a pretty big signing. Like I don't uh, I don't uh, I don't doubt that Aronson is going to be a very good player in the Premier League. He just scored today uh, uh, Wednesday when we were recording for the U.S. Men's National Team against Morocco. And he'll probably be a big part of the the U.S. team at, at the World Cup in in November and December. So, um, wh- what do you think of that signing? I haven't watched Aronson play that much, um, but I, I mean the the price tag coming from Salzburg probably means he's a he's quite a good player. And you know, isn't he isn't he really young? Isn't he nineteen twenty years old? Twenty one. Yeah, but yeah, so. he's he's like a similar is similar ilk to. You know the Geo Reynas and like Mason Mounts. The he's part of that like new brand of number ten. Who you know he, he is technically an attacking midfielder, but he's perfectly capable to like play out wide as well and cut in from the left wing and and shoot on his right foot. He he's uh, yeah he he's a quality player and uh, I I don't know. I mean he might be thirty million just because of his age. You know the the, the resale value and everything like that. It's one of the better signings I've seen Leeds make, to be honest. Like, like probably the ne- the next best signing after Rafinha. Like, I know Rafinha, they bought him from Wren, and Wren were going into the Champions League and everything like that. So, 
I'll put him on a, on a level below Rafinha. But if Rafinha ends up uh, leaving, Aronson is probably going to be one of the biggest creative outlets in that team. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. You know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see like which of these American players, because you know now it's gotten to the point now with the American national team where you're starting to wonder like out of all of these you know like borderline like Champions League level talents, and Aronson is on that level. He's been playing Champions League for like the last season or two at Salzburg. Which of these are going to fit into the 24 men squad that goes to uh, Qatar? You know, they almost have too many of them now that you know there's too many to pick from instead of not enough. So we'll see how he does. Uh, I'm uh, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, is there anything else you want to hit on before we close up for the week? Just that Pogba and Lingard, uh, their contracts expired at Manchester United. So good riddance to them, especially Pogba. Both of them, I can see, would fuck Arsenal up. So goodbye. Not sad to see you go. If you uh, if not bitter if you guys don't either. get Telemans, if you guys don't get Telemans, do you want uh, Pogba at uh, the Emirates? No, he can fuck off. <laughs> he can go to Juventus and be useless in Italy. Go play in the retirement league. I'd be very interested to see if Lingard ends up like back at West Ham or something. Reunited. I think he'll end up at West Ham. That seems like a a good fan signing and. You know, pretty fl- seamless. He's already been there and everything. He knows everybody. Right. It could be an option also for for Newcastle. You never know. Uh, I mean, I mean, they might have their sights set higher on other better players, but uh, they they could definitely do worse than uh, Jesse Lingard. I think so. Yeah, that's uh, and Pogba. I think most of the reports seem to be indicating that he's going to go back to Juve. Did you did you already say that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so I'm I'm honestly lost for words on Pogba. Like I, I have nothing more to say about him. Like I'm I'm so bored by him, and good riddance. Like I'll just be happy that people won't be able to bitch about Paul Pogba at Man United anymore and scapegoat him for all of United's troubles. So best of luck to him elsewhere hopefully uh, he can resurrect his career somewhat uh, in another league otherwise let's uh, end things there Javier thanks for jumping on this one Uh, we don't have any games obviously to preview this weekend though I think there are still like World Cup qualifiers Uh, Ukraine will look to seal their their place at the World Cup when they uh, go to Wales on Sunday Um, so I'll definitely be watching that one attentively Ukraine just beat Scotland today uh, to, to book that that uh, playoff match with Wales to, to go to the World Cup. So that and plenty of other internationals are going on. When are, uh, when are Peru playing, Javier? Do you guys have uh, a playoff still? Yeah, we either play uh, the UAE or Australia on uh, June 13th. So still a little okay, bit Okay, so the following weekend. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we can maybe we can preview that one next week. Yeah, yeah, we definitely can. Especially, it'll probably be Australia. Hopefully it's UAE, but should be a uh, still like a close tense match all right well thank you again javier thank you listeners for uh tuning in this week if you want to follow us on social media you can follow javier on twitter at javier rev 9 you can follow me on twitter and instagram at asmos 92 and you can follow the podcast socials at ghost goal pod thanks again for listening and until next time see ya.